Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday, four hours of power, podcast two of two, part one. On this part of the podcast, I'll be chatting to Corey, the drummer of Newcastle metal band Hatescape, about their latest single, Hollow, about how he joined the band as being the new, one of the newest members of the band, what got him into drumming, uh, what the response has been like for Hollow, plus has he been in any other bands previously to Hatescape? We'll also play Hollow in the second part of the podcast and we'll just chat about anything and everything, the music influences, where he sees Hatescape in five years' time and much more. So why don't we get into the interview with Corey from Hatescape right now. Evening, Corey. Hey, mate, how you going? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Um, I'm doing good, actually. Just uh, finish up a long weekend for us, so yeah. Ah, uh, yes, because of the grand final weekend, of course. Oh, yeah. We'll say it's for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people probably um, took work off Friday and probably even Thursday in some cases. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially fans of those teams. Yes. I'm, well, growing up in Queensland, because I'm originally from Queensland, Kingaroy, it was always a big thing, the NRL oh. and the... State of origin, so. Yep, yep, exactly, that'll do it. Yeah, I was a Queensland person, though. Everyone's like, oh, you're a traitor because you're a Queensland. I'm like, well, I was born there. It's only obvious that I back oh, that, for... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what you're meant to do. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever change that. Don't ever change it. Oh, so, the yeah, um, it was a good NRL. It's been a great weekend of finals, actually, both... Um, the NRL and the AFL, I mean, the AFL could have gone either way, but Collingwood... Yeah, that was a close there. game. Yeah. Anyway, I probably should actually introduce Corey. Corey is the drummer for, of course, Newcastle metal band Hatescape, who six months ago I actually interviewed Cameron and Paul from the band on this podcast exactly six months to the day. All right, yeah. So... So you're fairly new in Hatescape, aren't you, Corey? I wouldn't say I'm fairly new. Um, I'm, I'm the newest drummer, but um, yeah. we we've had a, a lineup change every so often, as you know, bands usually do. But um, I'm I'm one of the newer members, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, and you enjoy being part of Hatescape, obviously. Yeah, I do. Such a good bunch of dudes to work with. Uh, love playing shows together. Um, and I love our sound. I love what we're doing with music at the moment. Because I've said this to Paul, and I think I've said it to Cameron at times, I reckon there's a bit of old-school kill-switch-engage Chimera vibes about what I hear in Hatescape, especially Hollow and also God Complex. I feel like there's a bit of vibes there for a really old-school new metal through to heavy metal. Yep, there definitely is. We... um. So a lot of our influences are metalcore style bands um, and then definitely new metal. And then we just usually throw bits and pieces of bands that we currently listen to and like. So, yeah, definitely. You're, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we get our sound from. And coming out of Newcastle, I mean, there's some really good talent in the metal scene coming out of there now and also the punk scene, but obviously bands like The Bloods and also... Um, where the devil and also vilify probably three of my favourite fellow Newcastle bands that are all doing pretty well for themselves, along with Hatescape, obviously. 
yeah, those bands are killing it at the moment. They're playing some pretty good shows, always releasing really good music. It's good. Yeah. And I think I think now more than ever, it's sort of it's almost like Australian music is at its prime right about now. Like twenty twenty three, I know it's not officially over yet, but the year has been stacked with brand new music from all parts of Australia, like from you know, Queensland down to New South Wales, Tassie, WA, South Australia. There's just so much amazing music being released this year. Yep, I, I agree. It's definitely growing. Uh, and even the the big bands that have been around for a long time um, just finished off a tour in America. So you had like Amity Affliction and Parkway Drive headlining and um, there was a whole bunch of Australian bands on that tour. Um, I think it was called Monsters of oh, – Australian Monsters of Metal or something like that. Um, but, yeah, Australian metal scene is, is really picking up at the moment. It's good to see. And was that was that um, Make Them Suffer as well, I think, that were one of the other bands on there yep. at Alpha Wolf, or am I thinking of another one, maybe? No, I think, I think you're right. I think that they were definitely on the bill. Well, and they're all monsters of metal. They're all making huge names for themselves, well, those four bands. So yep. yep, even when you don't have them in the Australian um, side of things, they still headline or they're, they're right up there on any um, festival bill in any country so it's good and i mean well i mean two of those bands are just mentioned there also um were part of the first not fest here in australia and alpha wolf and parkway drive which is a pretty big honor to be playing with the likes of slipknot and trivium and megadeth that's pretty big we had void of vision there as well yeah handful of good aussie bands you'd almost argue they're the biggest Yeah, or oh, then you throw Northlane in there, probably six biggest metal bands here in Australia at the moment, the ones we just mentioned there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Probably In Hearts Wake might have something to say about that, but, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're having a rest uh, at the moment. They must be having a rest. <laughs> yeah, they're on hiatus. Yeah. Uh, but um, but a lot of bands seem to do that. Like you think, oh, they're taking a break, and then they just drop a new single out of nowhere. Like, yeah, and so many bands have done that this year. Like, some forty-one different style of music, obviously, to the metal side. But they dropped a single just out of nowhere. I don't think anyone expected it last week, and it's just like, is this right. a year of people just dropping singles when you least expect it, or something? Yeah, it could be. It's, it's not a bad idea. It keeps people on their toes and keeps people interested in the band um, without doing anything, really, because then you, you, know, they, you never know when they're going to drop something. No. But, no, it's really good to, to chat to you finally, Corey. I shouldn't say finally. We did set this up a few weeks ago, but, um, yep. yeah, it feels like we've been chatting a heap through Messenger, but not so much on a podcast interview, which is, you know, what I love to do and um, – sort of support the local bands, whether they're yeah. from New South Wales, Queensland, wherever. Yeah, no, and thanks for having me on, mate. It's good to uh, meet you uh, on, the, on the podcast. Yes, and I'm, I'm a huge Hatescape fan. I've loved everything I've heard. For me, ah. I, I don't even know what my favourite song is. That's really bad. That's that's shocking. Revision, <laughs> <laughs> no. actually, to not even know what my favourite song is. I think it's got to be um, This Too Shall Pass. Off time oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah, I just like the, 
I, I like the idea of throwing Dan from Lycanthrope in as a collaboration onto the song. And, yeah, it's just something about it. I don't know. It might just be my theory, but... No, that's a good theory. Um, yeah, even I was surprised that Dan jumped on that. Um, the boys told me after the fact because um, I wasn't aware that he was jumping on and I got sent the photos and, yeah, like uh, Cam teed it up and Dan was more than happy to jump on. It was good. Mm. He's even was... uh, jumped on stage and sung it live with us, so that was amazing. Oh, that would have been awesome to see yeah. as well. But I think also because, like, I'm one of those people, it sounds strange, but I'm always a fan of the middle of the EP songs or the end track on EPs or albums. Like, there's been so many good ones over the years, like Wood by Alison Chains was the last song, Year of the Boomerang by Rage Against the Machine. I yeah. feel that might be 50% of the reason why This Too Shall Pass is probably my favourite song, but... Yeah, you got to end it big. You got to end it big with something solid. Yeah, that's that's very true. Because you know, yeah. with an EP, it's generally five to six songs. Like, yeah. you want to have your first track as a killer opener, and then the end one just as good. So, yeah, we felt like that was a good finisher song. Mm. But um, yeah, like it changes from day to day, though. Like favorite hatescape song, like Hollow for a long time was my favorite song because it's the newest song that's come out and only came out two months ago. So yeah, no, that is a good song. We've we've, we've had that. We've heard that from a lot of people. Um, that's our favorite or their favorite song of ours, um, which is a bit surprising from me because I don't know. It just sounds a, a lot different to everything else we've done. Uh, it does sound pretty different to the other stuff people, I guess, in the Newcastle scene anyway, are used to hearing. So, yeah, mm. but no, it's great. We love it. Yeah. I had to look twice, Corey. I didn't realise it actually had been out two months. I thought it had only been out like a week. And then I'm like, oh, shit, no, it's been out since the 4th of August. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's felt like ages, though. It just, I think because there's just been so much release between like music-wise, between August and October, I think it just feels like it was only yesterday. It really, it really has, yeah. There's been heaps of music coming out, so. Mm, and even someone like myself who loves listening to all the music and trying to keep up with it, I'm even struggling at the moment to keep up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> it's just like if someone goes, oh, if you heard this new song, I'm like, no, and they're like, oh, it was released yesterday. Then I look through all the new releases. I'm like, no wonder I missed it because everyone else decided to release new music on the same day. So. Yeah, well, so usually Fridays. Friday's like a release day uh, for mm -hmm. most bands. And, um, yeah, you just got to gotta try and keep on top of it every Friday. Just go through all the bands you love and just double check. <laughs> you haven't missed anything. <laughs> because um, like, there's been a lot of rat stuff, you know, being on Spotify and all that, how the way they treat their artists and bands. But the biggest positive out of Spotify, there's two things. Release Radar is the best invention ever. Oh, and yep. The second best invention is the if you enjoy this band, you will enjoy this other band to check out. I mean, yep. I'll give you recommendations. I love Spotify. I reckon 50% <laughs> of the bands I've found have been in that column. 
Yeah. That's crazy to think. And I reckon Hagscape were probably one of them. Oh, really? And I don't even know who I was looking up at the time. But it come up, and it, might, it would have been obviously someone from Australia, but I can't even remember who it was. I don't know if it was like Where the Devil or Vilify or someone, a fellow Newcastle band. So it could have yeah. been either of them. Yeah, it's, well, it's obviously the, the system's working for us, so that's good to hear. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it definitely would have been something like that. And obviously, you're also on band camp, so that probably would attest to maybe 20% of people finding you, but Spotify would probably be the 80%, I reckon. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, what happens with these podcast interviews, Corey, is I ask you a bunch of questions that you might have been asked before, you might never have been asked, and there's even a few new ones on tonight's one which I've never asked before. Okay. Then at the end of the interview, the fun part, I ask the questions at the start, but then Corey has a chance to reverse the roles and ask the interviewer the questions at the end, and nothing's (laughs) off the table, so. All right, we'll see how we go. Yep. And I can also tell you um, both parts, the interview and the music side of it, will be both uploaded straight after this interview because everything else is done. So Sweet. So the first question I am going to ask is, when did you first officially join Hatescape as a member? Um, So I joined, it was around the end of 2021. Um, so it was still sort of murky with COVID stuff. Um, the band had already released a couple of EPs, uh, and had a couple of lineup changes and obviously their drummer had left. Um, and I was mates with Paul and Cam and I just said, Hey, if you need a drummer, I'll give you a hand until you find someone else or I'll just join permanently. And here I am today, still here. So so two years, yeah, that's. And it obviously helps when you're friends with members already in the band, obviously. Yeah, well that, that's how I knew what was going on. And I just, yeah, offered my help if they needed it. Mm. And, like, were you a fan of the band before you joined? Yeah, so I hadn't really heard much of the music that they'd released. Um, but then, I don't know how I got I got, I don't know if... It, I can't remember if it was during COVID or like COVID had just sort of places were starting to open up and they had a gig and I went to the gig. It was on a Thursday night, I'm pretty sure, at um, the Hamilton Station Hotel out in the front room and I, I actually really loved the show. And I told Paul, I was like, oh, God, that's like I really enjoyed you guys. So, yeah, that's where I started liking the band and then, yeah, the rest is history. And I think like a lot of people might not know this that don't go to a lot of gigs, but I think – when you go to a gig, wherever it may be, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a actual live pub venue, I think that that's the easiest way to really appreciate a band. Like their music and their EPs, CDs are great, but if you get to see them live and you don't know what to expect and then it just blows you away, I think that's what's so precious and so good about attending live music yeah 100 percent agree um 
some of my favourite bands I had never heard before, but saw them live and, like you just said, completely blown away. Uh, and from there, then then you go looking for their music and hear it even more, and you're like, oh, yep, these guys are good. So, yeah, 100% agree there, mate. And the strange thing is, and I've got to be very careful how I say this, because there are reasons why people turn up halfway through the sets or halfway through the gigs, but I think it's just as important to see the first band and the second band as it is the headliner, because that first or second band could be your next favourite band you check out. You just don't know. Exactly. One of the best stories I've got is... I went and saw Shadows Fall in, I think it was 2005 in Sydney. The opening band for them was Parkway Drive. And they were just like, I don't know, probably still, uh, I don't know if they were teenagers, but the you know, early 20s dudes just opening for Shadows Fall. And the second band was actually As I Lay Dying. So definitely always go and check out every band on the bill. You never know who's going to blow up or who's going to blow you away. <laughs> And you've also, but a lot of people are going to realise every single band out there would have been an opening band for someone. Exactly. At the start of their career. Exactly, yep. I'm trying to think who my favourite opening band that just blew me away that I didn't know a lot about. I think it's it's going to be sort of in the metal scene, but I actually think, honestly, it was probably Atlas um, when they opened for Mirrors down here in Gippsland. And, look, I knew Atlas to some extent because being fellow Gippy boys and I'd heard of them, but didn't really know a lot about them. And I saw them in Taralgan and they were just, like, amazing live. And ever since then, I'm just like, yeah, I know I'm biased because they're from my area, but I just love their stage presence and their performances. Like, obviously, Atlas aren't in the same league as Parkway Drive, obviously, but... No, they're going good. Atlas are going really good at the moment, actually. I've seen them everywhere, so they were doing well for themselves. Yeah, they've toured with everyone at the moment. Like, they've toured with um, Dark Matter on that tour around um, the East Coast. They toured with, obviously, Ocean Sleeper late... Was it late last year or the... It was early to mid late last year. Uh, they did a show in Taralgan. They've yeah toured with everyone at yep. the moment, which is good to see. Yeah, no, it is good. Good to see Aussie bands getting up and about. <laughs> mm. And um, yeah, making a name for themselves overseas as well. Some of them, so yeah, all the hard work pays off. It does. Yeah, and um. I think the other thing is that um, a lot of people don't realise about live music is that um, the vibe you get, like if when you're in a band and you, there's, you know, five, ten people in the crowd, that's as important to get them excited about the bands playing or involved than it would be for a hundred people. Yeah, you yeah, you've definitely got to get um, you got to get the crowd excited. You've got to get, um, you know, otherwise they're just going to stand there and watch you, and you, you know, it might come and go and pass, and that that's that. They just go on to the next band or leave or whatever. But um, yeah, you're talking about like as performers and as people up on the stage, you got to get the crowd involved. 
Is that what you meant? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was sort of trying to imply there. Yeah. Yeah. It's def- definitely important because um, then it helps your show as well. Like I always play better when I know the crowd's um, at least interested in what we're doing, um, you know, check or come to check us out for whatever reason. I always play better knowing that the crowd's more involved. Mm. Our little and thing is the- our little, not signature things, everyone does it, but we try and get the crowd closer to the stage. Probably um, the sound's going to be a bit better and louder and they're right there with us. So, um, yeah, I know the boys up the front there because I'm at the back, obviously, on the drum kit. But um, the boys like to get the crowd straight away, just get close to the stage, get involved with us. Because I think some people just are a bit, like, afraid to get too close, like, in case they get kicked in the head or something. By, oh, yeah, in a mosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a, a residual thing left over from COVID as well. People people are out, but they're not out, out like they used to be. But um, mm-hmm. we're getting there. Well, I, had, I actually had an interesting experience. And at the end of the night, it actually was pretty funny and I didn't realise who the person was. But last week I was at a gig and in the last band set, there was this person going around headbutting everyone in the hip as a moshing sort of action. And I'm like, what the hell is this person doing? I found out at the end of the night that very person was the front woman of the opening band of that gig doing it. <laughs> and because they say, because someone comes up to me and goes, You look like you've had a few beers. I'm like, No, I actually am not that drunk. I'm just sore because someone headbutted me in the hip. And they go, <laughs> Is that person in one of the bands that was playing like she was in a band? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she's up there trying to get everyone involved. <laughs> good, good on her. Well, even better that it was the opening band. Like yeah. that's showing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, that sort okay. of had a sore hip after a while, but it was nothing malice about it. She was just doing what all moshes should be doing. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you don't leave a metal gig with something being sore, then you probably didn't go hard enough, I reckon. <laughs> and obviously I realise there are rules within the moshing and all that. Like, if you're going out there to deliberately punch people and kick oh, them, yeah, that's... You yeah, you don't go to, to try and hurt people. But if you're there just have a good time and you're not hurting people, then I have no issues with people no. in the mosh pit. Exactly, that's what it's about. <laughs> I didn't realise how close I got the other night. I was literally nearly at the, like, nearly on the stage. That's how close I was. I didn't oh, even deliberately do it. It was just... Just ended up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we could talk about um, crazy pit stories or podcast interview, oh, yeah. but, um, yeah, that would go on too long, I would think. <laughs> yeah. uh, so before joining Hatescape, Corey, had you been in any other bands previously? Yeah, so, um, and that's how I know Paul and Cam. I was actually in uh, Blackout to Oblivion. Um, similar style of music. Um, same same town, obviously. Played in Newcastle. Um, I was a drummer there, obviously. And then about, oh, I was actually 20 years ago to this year, uh, I was in a band called Mitosis. So same thing, another metal band in Newcastle. Um, just doing the rounds. 
Nothing crazy. Uh, uh, both those bands obviously not active anymore, I'll just shoot. No, 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 definitely not Mitosis. We only played for about a year. Um, we were, we were coming to the end of high school, so but we, we played a lot of gigs in Newcastle, which was pretty wild for a bunch of 17-year-olds. But, um, yeah, long gone. And then um, Blackout to Oblivion, I think we lasted probably three years. And then, yeah, same thing, just decided to call it. Um, I think towards the end, I moved away anyway. Um, but yeah, no. Ah, well, that's something I didn't know. So I've learnt something in the first twenty-five minutes already about Corey that I didn't know before this interview. Always good to find new stories in amongst it. <laughs> but um, yeah, being in two or three active bands at once, it can either be a good thing or it can be just draining because you see like there's some musicians around the world well i mean dave grohl mike Patton, probably two perfect examples at times they were probably in three or four different bands and they did it somehow but yeah i guess it, it depends on the individual if they're throwing themselves just at the band work then i mean it's achievable but it, i mean if they've got you know a lot of us just have normal jobs and families Finding the time for one band, let alone two, is um, or two bands, let alone one, is is going to be a mission. Mm. Because then, of course, if they you're in two bands, then there's the issue with the sort of touring schedule and when to record albums with which band, because you don't want them to clash, obviously. So yeah. that comes into play. Yeah, you've got to really devote yourself to that sort of thing. I, I know I couldn't do it. No. Yeah, no. yeah it's, it's a lot of time that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, as you said, I mean, trying to keep up and get stuff done with one band's hard enough. Trying to make two or three bands work would be just as difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's just speaking from my perspective. I know it'd be hard for – depends on what kind of musician you are as well. If you If you're happy for – someone else to write the music and you just learn it and play it, then it wouldn't be that difficult. But um, I really like to take my time and um, like when I'm writing drums for the uh, for Hatescape, I really like to take my time and all you got to do is ask Paul, I'm, I'll, I'll write something and then I'll be back a couple of weeks later and I'll be like, oh, no, nah, I'm going to change it to this because I feel, I feel like this is better. And then, yeah, it just goes on and on like that till we release it. <laughs> and it's better to take your time to um... – record a song or, you know, get lyrics together or a sound than to just, you know, push it out straight away and then it might not be what you wanted and exactly. sounds totally different. So Yeah, exactly. I, I just, like, on the topic of having two things going at once, I, I used to do a radio show at a community radio station here in um Drawn, and at the time I was actually doing podcasting work and the radio show, and I just—it was just too much. It because the radio show was every week, plus I was doing the podcasting, and a lot of those um, radio shows were on sort of nights that I'd work, like the day after or day before, and it was just. I had to give up something, and in the yeah. end, it was just radio because I love radio, but there's so much more to a podcast than radio. You can 
speak about, do, get more people listening as well than a radio. But that's just my more opinion. Flexible, so. Mm. And, I mean, like, and you can do an interview remotely. Like I'm sitting here in Warrigal and, you know, I could interview anyone in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So. But sometimes we have to make the hard choices, as they say. Yeah. You're not wrong there. No. But, um, no, it's uh, that's advice to anyone. If you love doing multiple things and, and you can keep it up, do it. But, yeah, don't wear yourself out too much. Yeah. As long as you're putting out a good product too, so. Yeah. Yeah. Which Hatescape obviously are putting out a good product. We're trying. We're trying to, yeah. <laughs> You don't want to hear me put out a product. I think it'd go straight to the op shop if I tried oh, to. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know till you do it. <laughs> well, uh, someone asked me, would I get up on stage and sing at a gig? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Cam does it. Yeah. <laughs> you can remember all those lyrics, plus you've got to keep the crowd involved. And mm. yeah, no, I couldn't do it. Got to have some showmanship. Yes. It's, I mean, uh, I think I'll probably get stage fright, actually. <laughs> I reckon one minute that I'd get up on stage, I'd be just like, what do I do now? Just straight <laughs> up. Just start the next song, next song. <laughs> I'll just scream and hope it, hopefully it sounds good. <laughs> hey, some bands do that. Some bands do that. <laughs> So if any bands are listening to this and I'm coming to your gig, please do not get me up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> or do uh, it and you could have the best show ever. Well, yeah. I think I'd need to have a few drinks, oh. maybe two or three before getting up on stage if I was. To we do all do, us. mate. Don't you worry. We all do. I reckon drumming would have been just as hard, Corey, because you're the one keeping the beat. I mean. Yeah. It's it's hard, but you mean like for like nerves and stage fright? Oh, I think more nerves. I yeah, think that... I definitely get nervous, but it's only because it's you know like you're up there on stage in front of people. It's mm. you know everyone gets nervous, no matter how long you've been doing it. You're about to get up there and perform for people, and people are you know without thinking are going to judge and critique and you know, form an opinion on if they like the music or like your, what you're doing up there. So it obviously brings nerves. But, but a lot I of times good nerves. Yeah, and also I think there's a lot of um, good about it as well. Like, you know, these people have obviously come out to see your show and, you know, want to come back hopefully and sort of um, they might tell a whole bunch of their friends and then next show there's, 20 of that person's friends at your show. You just exactly. don't know. Yeah. But um, I'd see, I would reckon if I was on stage, I'd get more nervous to playing pe- playing in front of people that I know than I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like I said, um, I mean, you'd want, you want to impress the people that you're – like you want to impress everyone, obviously, but – the people that you care about, you really want to impress because they they know you and they can speak to you about it after. 
more easily. Mm. So, yeah, you definitely want to impress them more and that brings the nerves. Yeah. But as you said, everyone would get nervous whether you've been doing it for 20 years or 20 days. It's just natural. Mm. All right. On to the next question. What has the overall response been like for Hollow? Hello? Hello? Yeah, you there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you just cut out for a second. I don't mm-hmm. know what happened there. Oh. No, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so like I said before, um, the response to Hollow has actually been really good. Um, and like I said, that, that's been surprising. Uh, some some people have been saying it's our best work um, and they've just been loving it. I, I, d- I really didn't expect that considering how different it is to our usual sound and the sound that everyone else, uh, you know, like other bands in the area are putting out. Um, but we just went with what we wanted to do and, yeah, it's been good. Good response. Much airplay on, like, radio stations or...? Yeah, when we released, we had a handful. Um, I can't remember the names of the places off the top of my head, but a um, handful of, you know, independent radio stations um, gave us a spin. Um, yep. Andrew Hogue being one of them on his little um, – I can't remember what his little radio uh, is called, but, yeah, he, he gave us a spin, which was good. Always good to have Hoagie. Yep. Oh, what is it? Yeah, I should know the name of his show as well. Yeah. I'm t- I know he did, I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But no, no, he's been really supportive of the local metal scene. Like, he's played all the new bands, music over the years, which is good to see. And need more of that, actually. Yeah, so, actually, I think it's called Heavy at Home. Heavy at Home. It's like all, plays Australian metal and stuff. I reckon that sounds pretty familiar, that name. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Hogue Radio, Heavy at Home, something like that. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Um, no, but it's good to see that, um, you know, you're getting airplay on radio stations. And obviously I've played Hollow a few times on my podcast. Probably yep. I've lost count actually now, but it'd be at least half a dozen times. Probably. Oh, good. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, I, I always – I think that's what – I wanted to do is to change it to Australian and New Zealand artists and bands because I love international bands and artists, but I sort of wanted to focus more on the local acts and bands because just to get their name and their music heard out there. Oh, yeah. It's always a good cause. It it used to be like that, Um, you know, a decade or so ago. There used to be a really good music scene in Newcastle and it was all about... Um, you know, New South Wales, Newcastle bands, Australian bands, and but it's sort of sort of gone away from that because it's because mm. e- because now it's easier to hear you know international bands, so sort of dilutes the market, I suppose. But for good reasons too. And for good reasons too. Probably, I hate to mention the c word, but I think probably seventy percent of that's probably due to COVID. Ooh, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sort of like, um, and I think that's what we're seeing a lot of now at the moment is that the music that's coming out is what would have been released during COVID, but wasn't being able to be produced and mixed and 
yeah. put out there for people to hear. Yeah, some bands have said that. Um, that they had to put things on hold until COVID left, and yeah, now they're just drip feeding it out. Mm. Yeah, we, I hope there's never an event like that ever again, to be honest. No, nah, there won't be. I'm confident. We're sweet. <laughs> How do we survive it is probably the other question I keep asking myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Favourite, least favourite thing about being a musician? So favourite and least favourite? Yep. Um. So... I would say my favourite thing would have to be actually performing um, and, and being on stage in front of people because I get to show off what I've been, you know, practising and what what I've created as as my in my part of the band um, and also being mic'd up. So hearing my drums all mic'd up um, and you would have experienced it all the gigs you've been to when the drums just feel like they're thundering and... Um, it's just so there's a lot of noise and it's so powerful. Um, when you're actually up there playing the drums, you can feel it. You can feel and hear it a lot better. So I love I love that. It's my favorite part. My least favorite part <laughs> would actually be moving my drums to and from, you know, practice or um, gigs. Yeah, I don't like that. So it's just a lot of effort, um, especially when some venues are hard to get car parks um sometimes you've got to walk your stuff a fair distance but but i'll also say that i actually prefer to do that i'll always prefer to cut my own stuff and play my own drums at a gig um because yeah I, I know my stuff's tuned the way i want it to be tuned um i know um that i can play my kit um better than another kit um yes yeah, so i'll always do that i prefer that but yeah moving it, it's a pain in the ass I was sort of expecting that as the answer for the least favourite thing from a drummer is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I'll give the boys credit here. Um, they do help me a lot of the time, but sometimes I get to a, a venue for to play a gig, for example, a lot earlier than everyone else because I like to figure out how I'm going to get my stuff in and out and so on and so on. So I'll just start learning in by myself. But after a show, the boys always help. So, yeah. Credit them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the venues that I reckon, I don't know about the venues in New South Wales and Newcastle and that, but there's a lot of venues here in Victoria that have staircases. And some of them you just think, are these actually really safe stairs to be lugging equipment up? Because oh. there's some in Melbourne where it looks like they're going to just break. Really? So they're old and <laughs> need a bit of work, obviously. They're old and need a little bit of work. I'm not going to drop any um, venue names because no. that would be just horrible. But they're great venues. They're just, yeah, you think if there was a fire hazard or an O&H and you had to evacuate, I don't think these are the stairs you'd be wanting to <laughs> walk down. Yeah, you'd find scary. another way, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, but um, no, but I think... Um, you know, venues sometimes design themselves that way and obviously don't have the money to upgrade because if you're going to upgrade stuff, it's going to cost money, which... Mm. Yep. Yeah, not a lot of places have funding. No. 
And so many places have had to close as well, like in the last few years, just because noise complaints or mm. um, they're not, you know, not able to make a living or pay the bills and that. And it's just sad to see. Yeah. Yeah, it always happens. Like we just had the Cambridge close recently. Yes, that which was, was a really good music venue here. Mm. And it's obviously, if we're going into Sydney, um, Frankie's Pizza Bar, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah, it's just um, like everything I heard about both the Cambridge and um, Frankie's is they're both amazing venues to play and amazing staff. And it just felt so sad and that for them that they had to close. But Well, the good thing about the Cambridge... Um... Like it closed for it wasn't you know going out of business or anything. It was doing really well, um, but the council government um, had it closed to build accommodation for uh, the university students in the area. But what they did was they've just opened up a like a stage area for for live bands, live acts, um, just around the corner at King Street Hotel. So that's sort of transferred that um, side of the house there. So hasn't completely vanished. It's still got a presence. It's just different. Yeah. And I guess any alternative is better than not having somewhere to play. Exactly. Yeah. Local. So, but, um, yeah, there's been heaps that have closed down here as well. There's been at least four that I'm aware of, and it was almost going to become five, but um, Tote got through with the funding from the last chance, so only just, but, yeah. And, I mean, Melbourne and Sydney are probably arguably the two biggest um, cities for live music in Australia. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I've got to get up to Sydney and New South Wales soon. I keep saying I'm coming up, and then something comes up. Yeah, life. Life. (laughs) Hangs, hangs on to you. It's just like all these bands and friends live up in Sydney. And they're like, oh, come up and see our gig. I'm like, I will eventually. It's just... Mm. <laughs> it doesn't help when you don't drive and you're a casual worker. Probably oh, not yeah. two things that help. <laughs> yeah. And make it very difficult. Yeah. And an already difficult task. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually not that hard to get to Sydney because you just fly from... Tullamarine to Sydney and then just get the um, airport link from this airport to the CBD. But yeah. if there's mm. people in like Terrigal and Gosford, Newcastle area, it's a bit more harder to get yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. When was the first uh, time you decided you wanted to become a drummer? Um, so it's a probably a bit of a funny story actually well not funny but you know not the usual one but uh when i was in year seven in high school um at the end i had a mate he told me he just started learning guitar he'd been learning guitar for like a month two months maybe and i was just some you know obviously really young kid and he he said we should make a band and that i should play the drums and i went okay so from then i just started happened on school desks and um i guess hoping and praying i'd end up with a drum kit and i did and and yeah the rest is history as i keep saying i just 
it was just because my mate told me to. <laughs> had you thought, like, even if your mate hadn't said anything, do you reckon you would have gotten into drumming somewhere down the track? Or oh, Look, I, I'd like to think so, but I, I, I don't think so. Like, I would have loved heavy metal music regardless, but I don't think I ever would have given thought to playing an instrument, let alone drums. It was just because we're on the... We're having the conversation and he said we should be in a band together and that I should play the drums and so I did. And a lot of, you know, just high school bands out there that sort of um, start out, you know, in a high school band and sort of think, all right, let's see where this goes. And sometimes, you know, five years down the track, they become a well-known Australian band, like, for example, Silverchair yep. from Newcastle, obviously. Yeah, that's um, what I did. Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously there's now things coming out like the backstories behind it and all that. But at the time, like they were massive, that, like, yeah. and I think yeah, like, and they were only fifteen. Like there was some article I said saw that they were all fifteen when Tomorrow came out. It's it's crazy to think how young they were back at that stage of their career. But I guess that's what happens. You there? You still got me? Yeah, yeah still got yep. yeah, still, yeah. No, no, I was just um, rambling on as I generally do. On a yeah, no, that's all right. Oh, I was just going to add on to that and say I remember when, when I was young and they were huge and I remember seeing a news um, story about how they were having a break to finish their HSC, and that was on the news. So, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because Frog Stomp came out in '94, and then there was obviously uh, Freak Show Neon Borum, and they still would have been in high school with at least Freak Show. Yeah, yeah, they were then. And then Neon Borum was sort of like '99, and then. I had a bit of a hiatus between that and diorama, obviously. Yeah. But, and also, sorry, to be completely rude, I think we've we've mentioned a lot of other Newcastle bands and completely forgot to mention, obviously, Trophy Eyes as well. Why? Like, obviously not on the same level as Silverchair, but pretty well-known rock band from Newcastle at the moment. Uh, who was it, sorry? Trophy Eyes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing well. Mm. Sort of, um, I reckon they might be, like, outside of the metal scene, I reckon they might be one of the next big rock, alternative rock bands to sort of maybe break out into the world. Yeah, it could do. Overseas. Well, you can hope so. Yeah. You always want the best for local bands. Mm. I guess the old saying goes, though, Corey, uh, it's not who you, what you know, it's who you know in the oh, scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you look at, um, you look at Parkway, for example, like they started from the bottom as, you know, kids or teenagers, you know, in Byron Bay, you know, they looked, yep. oh, I thought they were American when, I first heard them. I'm thinking, oh, these guys have to be from America, and then found out they're from part. They're from Byron Bay. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, and then, um, 
yeah, found out they're you know, surfing guys and they obviously released Killing With A Smile still to this day. Debatable, yep. their best album. Um, but then, you know, it took them, you know, 10 years to make it big into the scene and now arguably the biggest metal band in the world, yeah. arguably. So. Definitely like a... You know, not a household name, but when you ask someone, or oh, do you listen to heavy metal? And if they say yes or, oh, yeah, or some stuff. If you say Parkway Drive, people nine times out of ten have heard of them or listened to them or something, you know? Yeah. And because, like, I think a lot of people have started to really get more into their, well, at least their last two albums in um, reference and, Darker still because there was sort of more a uh, new path. Yeah, well, they're still heavy. They just got more of a, I guess, arena sound. If that makes sense, they got more of a, a bigger, more open, easier listening style of metal. So it's easier for a lot more people to get into. I think a lot of people like have ratted out on um, Darker Still in particular, and I've got to be honest. It took me a couple of listens to listen to the album and say, "All right, now I can." it truly enjoy this album because mm. it's not like, you know, Horizons or even Deep Blue where we know what we're going to expect. Like, I think everyone expected after Glitch that they might be going back down the path of that really heavy stuff and then they release um, the title track and, oh, what's the other one that was released off it as a single? Um, oh. I can see the video clip as well. I just can't think what it's called now. Um, in the, yeah. Um... Oh, what's it called? Yeah, I've gone blank. But, yeah, I think a lot of people after Glitch thought that, you know, this is going back to their roots and obviously it went down a different path, obviously. Yeah. But when you've been in the game for 20 years and sold that many records, I think you're entitled to have a different sound for each oh, album. Well, everyone does. Everyone does. It's like even we, when we're writing our music, um, like not all of our songs sort of sound different. So mm. like if you look at Aggressor to Hollow, um, two very different sounding songs. Oh, definitely. And um, I think that's the beauty of, experimenting with music if you are looking to sort of have a different style for a different song i mean it can work wonders i mean a lot of bands have to experiment if they just played the same style of music all the time they wouldn't get new listeners obviously hello hello I'm silly. I'm silly. You yeah, got me? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I don't know what my phone's doing at the moment, playing funny buggers on me, oh, I think. No. It could be mine. It could be mine. <laughs> but you haven't disconnected, so I don't know why it keeps sort of going out, but mm. oh, who knows? Technology. The yeah. Best of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite song by Hatescape to perform live? Oh. Um... Oh, they're all 
they've all got their little parts and bits in them that I that I love playing live. But I'm probably gonna say honestly, Altruist, just because I, I can get I can put a lot more emotion into it because it's an easier song to play for me. So I can throw myself at it a lot more, and it's it's got more of a catchy feel and. Um, it, it just feels more fun to play live. Oh, it's a it's a very good song too, Altruist. I think it's I think it's the un, most underrated song on um, Tides of Misery, in my opinion. Anyway, I think yeah, I reckon I reckon so too. Because we we got aggressor out there, and um, we love that, and we actually we actually filmed a film clip for Altruist because we knew it was probably our favourite song on there, so yeah, definitely underrated. And I, I like the hidden gems or the underrated songs on albums. They're always the best because you look at the songs that everyone knows and loves, but then there's always one or two on an EP or an album where you're just like, that should be getting more love and attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually does. Yeah, they're on every every album. Mm. I've, yeah, it's and I think um, it's a good mix, obviously, Tides of Misery, because, yeah, as you said, like, there's some songs that go harder than others, and then you got Altruist that's, yeah, sort of the peacemaker out of the EP. Yeah, it is. You sort of take a step back. It's still still powerful, still has big big parts, and there's, I mean, there's even, like, you know, blast beats in there, but it's, it's yeah, it's its, its own thing. Mm. Yeah, I love Altruist. Uh, it's uh, well for me, and I'm not sounding biased, but you haven't actually made a bad song, so oh, thank that... you. I'll take, <laughs> we'll take that. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll almost argue your songs are actually getting better with each release, if that's possible. But yeah, I agree. I think we're like sort of putting a lot more thought into. Not that we didn't put thought into the. Um, Tides of Misery EP, but I think we're before we release something, we just sort of double check everything, go everything, and make sure we're all happy with it all. So I think I think it's coming out better that way. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the members of the band are generally the harshest critics of themselves. The, <laughs> yeah. the people that listen to it. Yeah. I mean. Like, I can understand why people give the constructive criticism to bands, but I also look at it that I don't want to bring a band down. If I'm going to send feedback, I want them to feel good about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, always, yeah. A, a way to improve or something, not not just that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah, a, reason, that... a reason for it, like, hey, you could have been done like this or, you know, something. Yeah, I don't like the people that just say, oh, it was shit. It's like, yeah. well, you've got to give an actual reason. You can't just tell a band this song was crap and yeah. then not back <laughs> it up with a reason. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I was to say that, not that I would say that I didn't like a song, I would at least give some sort of feedback what could have been improved. Yeah. Yeah, give them, yeah. At least a direction. No, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, and a lot of these people like, and again, I've got to be careful how I say this, but I think a lot of people that do give these criticism as oh, it sucked or was shit, like their theory is that um, everything should be perfect 
with every release from a band or an artist and there can't be any faults in the song. And it's just like every band has a song where it won't stand out as much as other songs they released, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Then bands don't just get better and better and better and better. There's all, you know, it's, there's ups and downs. Every band has them. Mm. So, yeah, and, and something, I mean, you know, to bring a band down and just say that their music shit is just that's not going to keep a band motivated and wanted to keep going. You got to. No. But also the other thing that I find interesting as well is that I think a lot of people are a bit too, like, I don't know what the word is, but they're a bit too afraid to sort of tell bands or artists how much they enjoyed their music because they don't know what the response is going to be like. Oh, really? Because hmm. I, I don't people. know because, like, I've heard a few people say this and they're just like, oh, I don't, haven't wanted to sort of go up to a band after a show or, you know, say something to a band in a message and just, like, just send it or yeah. go up to the band. Don't be afraid. No, nah, def- definitely do that. It means the world. Um other band members definitely do it, uh, even if it is a token great set, man. But, yeah, other band members definitely, like, so, you know, you're playing all the band that's after you is putting their stuff up on stage. You know, you go past them, they'll, they'll tell you. But um, definitely some of the highlights for me when I played live is people that were in the crowd say, man, that was awesome, like, you guys played so well or um, that was great. You know, just compliments and stuff for the music is it, it honestly means the world to anyone in a band because that's why we do it. That's why we do it. And, you know, at first, I've got to be admit, I admit it was pretty daunting going up to any band after a show and saying hello and saying great set, but now I just, I don't even think I just do. It's Yep, you always give credit where credit is due. But, mm. but yeah, you've once you've broken the ice for yourself once, you're obviously going to do it, but. Yeah. From me, well, anyone that's thinking it, just go and say it. It'll mean mm, the world to them. You might make a friend. Won't, yeah, bands won't. Like, I've never come across a band that doesn't want to hear from a fan that they love their set. I've never yeah. seen a yeah. band ignore anyone. So it's pretty basic. And, like, I've got to the point where now that's half the time people recognise me before I can even go up to the band and say, great set. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I can't, there's some venues I can't even walk into now where it's like, oh, there's Sam. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, mate. That's a good thing. But, yeah, it's not, it's not like we're going to get off stage and go and ask people, hey, what would you think of the show? Like, that's just weird. So definitely, definitely just, you know, take a couple of seconds to say something and, yeah. It'll be appreciated. Trust me, it'll be appreciated. Yeah. Not that and we're I, asking for everyone to do it, but if you if you genuinely think it and feel it and you feel like it deserves to be mentioned, then definitely do it. Don't feel afraid. We're all friendly. No. And also sh- sharing music and tagging bands as well. I think if you share your music on the news feed and just say how much you enjoy the music. Now, I, I, I will admit, at times, I probably do it too much. I'll, I'm happy to admit that, but I feel like 
it's better doing it too much than not enough. And people yeah. asking me, oh, so who are these new bands I should be checking out? That's yeah. why I do it. 100%. You're not doing it too much. You're just a man on a mission. You just want to get the <laughs> get get the word out there, which is great. It's, what yeah. you know, like you said, what we should be doing. Um, yeah, just something like that goes a long way. You, you don't mm. understand. Because it was like you said before about how you perform well and then someone goes and tells their mates. Well, if, you, if they post something, then, you know, 50, 100 people even might see that post and then at least consider or pass on, the, you know, the same information or even go to a gig. So it all helps. Mm. And I've always felt the community, the music scene is always welcoming. Like, I think the metal scene for me is probably the nicest bunch of people you'll ever meet whether it's people you go see bands in or the fact that people that are actually at the gigs. I've, yeah, I feel like they get judged because, you know, their music's loud or they've got tattoos and piercings and all that. And it's just like I've gone up to so many bands that have all that and they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. So Yeah, I can attest to that. It's it's so true. We- the metal scene looks scary, but it's the nicest, I reckon. And I'm not going to say this harsh. I don't want to sound harsh, but I've also noticed the metal scene are the hardest if you're trying to leave to get home. They're the hardest to leave chatting to, like band members of metal bands, because they just love to chat. It's just like, <laughs> I've got to get home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, nah. oh, we just love having chance. yarn. Just love having a chat. That's not any disrespect to these bands. It's just there's been a couple of times I've looked at my mobile. I'm like, shit, I've got to get home still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, that's yeah. I think um, the metal scene are yeah the greatest bunch of people, and every metal band I've interviewed on the podcast is like that. It's just like. You think, oh, these are screaming people and scary-looking guys, but then you take them away from the stage and put them on an interview or chat to them after the show, and they're the most down-to-earth people. Yep. yep. Like Corey from Hatescape is. <laughs> Thank you, mate. But yeah, but, well, oh, so, <laughs> so I'm really good friends with Cam and um, Paul because I've just I've known him for so long and. It's yeah, we we all, we just get along like house on fire, you know. We you find that you have the same, like a lot of metalheads have the same humor as well. Like you know, you watch the same shows and you laugh at the same kinds of jokes, and it just it just works so well. So everyone I've been in the band with, of you know, I get along with so well, and love I love hanging out with them, even if it's if it's not for music. Like they've been around my house before. We've had a Barbie fire out the back, and yeah, we're just it's just great. Mm. And I think bands gel so much better together when everyone's, you know, on the same level and all easy to get along with. You see it in bands that do that and um, become very successful. And yep. And I think Hatescape have what it takes to become one of those bands where they could, you know, break big in five, ten years' time. You just don't know what's around the corner to be honest yeah you just got to keep working mm. and i appreciate that man it, it's yeah it's, it's great to hear from someone 
you know, that they think that of us. I appreciate it. And I think the other thing is that at the end of the day, if, you know, any, and not that there's many bands or artists out there that think this way, but if there's bands and artists out there that think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, not be about pleasing the fans or, you know, only about myself, don't give a shit about anyone else in the scene or in the band, that's when those people get found out and no one yep. would want to tour, collaborate, record, anything like that. And I've never come across any, but I do know there are some out there that think that way, but not too many. No, nah, they're few and far between. There, there are definitely some bands we've had inter- interactions with or um, just people in the scene. Um like event organizers and stuff that that'll leave a bad taste in your mouth, uh, but you know, it, no, no scene or industry is perfect. There's always going to be um, parts of it that are negative, so you just take it as it comes and move on from there. And like I said, keep working. Mm-hmm. That's a very good um, lesson in life as well, not just in music oh. and work, just in general, probably. Yep, yep. definitely. Especially someone who works in hospitality like myself that cops that much criticism about the food being too cold or not cooked enough. It's just, uh... Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine, yeah. mate. Can't imagine. Uh, it, there are good things to hospitality. Like you get to take any food home if there's any left over. Oh, that's a good oh, perk. Gold. <laughs> Menu tasting, you get to taste the menu before anyone else. That's always a positive, but, yeah, there's a lot of negatives in the case as well. Yeah, I don't doubt it. All right, well, this is my actual last question to Corey, and then, of course, the tables get turned and I get asked any questions. Um, if you could change one thing in the music industry, what would it be? Um, so that, that, that's a hard one um, because the music industry has changed so much over the years because um, now everything you can, you can find so much online. Um, I guess speaking from the Newey scene, uh, the Newcastle scene, sorry, um, I would like to see, and this is just personal, I'd like to see like venues make it easier for bands to put on shows. Um, there, there are a handful of good, there's good places that um, will allow a band to just organize a show as long as it's done the right way and um, it's done in the way that they like then yeah any band can throw on a show but there's sort of a bottleneck at the moment and there's only you know two or three really good venues and it's just it's just hard to get a show going if that makes sense it's just yeah it used to be a lot easier that's for sure um, even at the Cambridge, which is a pretty big venue for putting on bands and international acts, it used to be pretty not not easy, but it used to be achievable for any band to get a show going there. But nowadays, it just feels like it's getting harder and harder. So I definitely change that about the industry around here. Um, just easier to get shows happening. That's, that's that's actually a really good answer and sort of one that I don't get not many times I've heard that answer for the that question it's generally the obviously the royalties to bands and artists for every stream and merch cuts and that but oh, okay. actually 
making it you know a bit more easier to for bands to play shows at venues like you know you were just saying then about you know being in Newcastle like it's harder to sort of plan shows and at some venues but I think yeah it can be fixed I don't know if it's an overnight fix obviously but yeah not nothing is no no good changes in overnight fix but um, there's definitely ways to make things a lot easier for local bands to get out there and because um, a lot of the time the shows that, that are put on you know the the venue will get a cut of what's what comes through the door um, but more and more places are charging to have shows put on there so it's hard it's, it's hard for bands especially smaller bands to get that going and um yeah it'd just be good to see a way for you know up and coming bands to say hey we want to put on a show at, at this good venue um we've got a handful of bands that are willing to join and then just go from there because like there's a it's a double-sided sword because if the bands are wanting to perform at that venue, they're going to be the people that are bringing the crowd through to drink your alcohol, eat your food, whatever else. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it really is a tough one, that one, because yeah. I personally, I don't think that venues should be charging bands to play at their venues so i it's a controversial topic but i think you know bands are struggling enough to make a you know money enough to record music produce merchandise tour around australia and all that if they're charging you i think my opinion it's wrong but yeah obviously because what we'll find is it's usually like a um oh, not a label but like a some kind of a manager who runs an organisation will have a band that might be touring or come up from Sydney um, and they will book those venues to play them and they'll, they'll, they'll pay the cost to pay, sorry, to play at the venue because they know that they'll draw enough um, ticket sales to cover the cost. So it it's that bottleneck where you've got to try and get on those shows because that's the only way you're going to play that venue. Um, mm otherwise so yeah it just makes it hard yeah but i think yeah that that's a really good answer to that question and it's different to what a lot of people have said but also i hadn't thought about it in that sense like as Corey has said you know as someone in a band and you know, those are the shows you want to get on because you know that's the only way you're going to play those venues yeah sort of exactly thing. See, my answer's an interesting one to that question and there's any number of answers I would give to it because, you know, merch cuts, one thing, um, royalties from streams. But mine would be um, more regional shows, regional Australia shows, not just... Like, it's good to see them in Sydney and Adelaide, Perth, Melbourne, etc., but... Maybe get out to the regions in all the different states. Yep. More. You see, you do see some bands doing that. Um, yeah. They'll do a regional tour, but yeah, it should be happening more. I reckon as well. Yeah, I agree. That's a good one. 
and also classifying it as regional and actually making sure it's regional because the <laughs> amount of times, especially in Melbourne, that they have said that Frankston is regional Victoria, <laughs> it's just like it's not regional, it's Melbourne still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the same with here. Like some big bands will play on the Central Coast, but it's on the coast as heaps of people it's smack bang between sydney and newcastle so not that far and yeah regional is like getting out of the, the, the bigger country towns yeah it's and like the central coast but like up your way like newcastle onwards there's some easily some great towns you could play in yeah. new south Wales. definitely i just think yeah maybe more regional shows but also not that this affects me anymore because I'm obviously over the age of 18, but maybe a few more all ages shows. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them die away. Look, there used to be heaps of all ages shows, or you know, if you're underage, you could go there and get a wristband, or, or vice versa, a wristband to drink or a wristband to say you're underage, and it was just yeah, the way things were done. But yeah, I haven't I haven't seen an all ages gig in forever. I guess the issue with the all ages thing is because it's all ages, obviously you've got to hire more security and a lot more has to go into the event than, say, an 18 plus show. Yeah. Yeah. But, and there's a lot, uh, it, it's probably got a lot to do with like insurance and stuff as well and all the little background things, the contracts and stuff that they do. If anything goes wrong and it's an underage person, then yeah. Yeah, they're in shit. Yeah, to put it lightly. Or, or the venue is so because it's our responsibility to make sure nothing does. So people are just more risk adverse, I guess, and don't want to commit to all ages. Catastrophic too. Of oh yeah, yeah. It's so you don't want to risk that. So, um, I'm trying to think if I've been to an all ages. Yeah, I did go to one earlier this year. Funnily enough, in Frankston, oh, it was right. a met. It was a metal gig. It was like ten or eleven bands for thirty-five bucks. Like, oh, that's that's value. That's good. Yeah, and funnily enough, Atlas played that very show. Actually, funnily enough, it was what? Sorry, uh, Atlas actually played that oh, right. show. So um, there was the weight of silence. Atlas, uh, a few bands from Melbourne, Suspiria, Priorities, up and coming metal bands. It was a really good mix, actually. Yeah, that would have been a big. So, Big gig. Mm. And everyone's – and I remember talking to the guy from Priorities and he was saying some of the people wouldn't even go to the gig in Frankston and some of them lived in Cranbourne. And for those that don't know how far Cranbourne and Frankston are away, it's probably 40 minutes at most. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what was that? I think I, think I broke up. Oh, oh sorry. Um, with the – I was talking to one of the members of Priorities, one of the bands that played, and he was trying to get as much promotion for people to come to the show from, like, Cranbourne, Frankston area, and there were some people that wouldn't even travel from Cranbourne to Frankston for the gig, and it's like half an hour. Oh, you're joking. It's like, <laughs> really? That's not far. It's like, it's like... Yeah, it's, what, an hour round trip for a 10-hour day. I think you could possibly 
Um, That's worth it yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, I've heard some absolute funny stories about um, tours and gigs and things that I could go into, but um, yeah. <laughs> We could be here for a while. That's oh, yeah. Just- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I think um, if there's any number of things you could change in the music industry. Some might be overnight things, but other things might be just might be two or three years down the track that would need to be fixed. Mm. Could be, if they ever get fixed. <laughs> well, well, um, just on the merch cuts thing, I have noticed that um, is it Live Nation, I think, put out a statement that um, they're going to stop venues taking merch cuts. I don't know if it's all venues, but some venues are going to stop doing it, which is good to see. Yeah, I've, no, I've never really experienced the – so what, the venue takes a cut of the merch sales of the band? Is that... uh, the, the mer- actual band's – in, um, sorry, I'll start that again. The merch sales of the band's merch is getting taken from the venue, apparently. Oh, oh that's terrible. That shouldn't happen at all because that's how that's how bands make money. Because um, it costs money to make the merch, and then obviously you get a piece of. So, say someone buys a shirt, you get a small cut of that. The band does. That's, mm. That sucks if the the venue's then also taking a cut. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but uh, it's only a few venues out there, Corey, and it's yeah. probably mostly in Melbourne, I would assume. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen it up here or heard about it up here, but, yeah, shouldn't be happening. No. Well, that's all the questions I've got to ask Corey, and we've made an hour and a quarter out of it somehow. Don't know how, but... <laughs> Now, the tables get turned. If there's anything Corey wants to ask the interviewer, nothing's off the table, as they say. Ooh. So I, I don't know if I, I'm not really prepared, but um, do you, what was the first metal gig that you ever went to? It's a good question, and that will really have to put my thinking cap on for what that was. <sighs> I think the first actual metal gig that wasn't a festival that I went to was Metallica 2010, I think it was. With Whoa. That was the Death Magnetic Tour, and that was um, Baroness and Lamb of God in Melbourne, which was just insanely good at Rob Laver. That's a pretty epic first metal gig. Yeah, and I I'll mean, Metallica... Talk about big names in metal, like been doing it for forty plus years. Oh yeah. But the the reason I wanted to bring that up also is if every if um that was the not that everything could go wrong at the gig, um everything did go wrong because the tickets I had won from Channel V. Now that's shown how long ago it was because oh, yeah. Channel V. Well, I don't think it exists anymore. Oh, the tickets were yeah. faulty. They, they were what? Faulty? They were faulty. You're joking. So <laughs> I, I, I can laugh about it now, Corey, but at the time I was just like, are you actually kidding? Yeah, you would have been devastated. How'd you get in there? So, 
So we had to go to the box office outside Rod Laver Arena, me and my mate, and I had to show the email from Channel V actually saying that I'd won the ticket. And then I was like, shit, are they going to charge me to have to pay for another set of tickets? Yeah. And thankfully they didn't. Did they just but let you in or? They did let me in eventually. Yeah. But the story of the night gets even worse because we caught we missed the last train to my brother's house because we were staying in Melbourne that night. So we had to get a taxi at 11.30 at night from Rod Laver to Balaclava, which should be only 20 minutes. I reckon we got back to my brother's about quarter to one in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, not, right. Not the best way to end the night. But it was a fucking great gig. That's oh. all I can say. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You just got to always look back and ask yourself, was it worth it? And <laughs> it usually always is. So, yeah. Mm. Um, also, remember my ears were ringing for the next two days. And ever since then, I've worn earplugs. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've only just started recently wearing earplugs at gigs. Um, and not every gig, but if I'm if it's indoors and it's like I'm I'm really close, then yeah, I'll chuck something in there. But I've also noticed a lot of venues are starting to sell them as well. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. I've seen people handing them out before, at like festivals and stuff. Yep. No, that, that's a. That's actually a question I've never been asked before. I've been asked what was my first gig, but specifically Corey asked what was my first metal gig. So yeah. you put a twist on that question. <laughs> just, yeah, that was the first question that came to mind. You have obviously would have been asked what your, your favourite gig you've ever been to is. Um... That's a difficult one, even mm. to answer every time. Like, this has been so many good ones. Yeah. What about uh, who, if it, if you had to pick a band to go and see tomorrow night, who would it be? Any band in the world. <laughs> I love that question. And, oh, shit. It's got to be someone I haven't seen live. Yeah. I think, like, the obvious one would be, the, you know, Slipknot, Parkway Drive, Trivium, someone like that. But I'm not going to be biased here, but if it was tomorrow night and it was in Melbourne, I would probably actually go and see Hatescape. Oh, really? Hey, thank you. (laughs) And that's not because you're on the podcast interview. It's because I was trying to think of a band I haven't actually seen from Australia. Hatescape are like one of the only bands I haven't actually seen. Yeah. So appreciate that, mate. I'd love to play in Melbourne. We'd love to play in Melbourne. But also, knowing me, I'd probably still go up. Uh, I'd probably catch a flight to Sydney and then to Newcastle, and I'd probably go even if it was in Newcastle. Yeah, Sydney. why not? Why not? Make a holiday of it. I'm not working tomorrow night, so I could if <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but we're not, we're not actually playing anywhere tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Newcastle is great. Newcastle is a great city. Yeah. I haven't been up there in years. I went there when we went up, up to Coffs Harbour like 15 years ago. We 
went through Newcastle and Grafton, Port Macquarie, etc. And I think we stopped in Newcastle for about an hour, but outside of that, haven't been up there in ages. Oh, right. Yeah, no. It's, beaches are great. It's obviously, yeah, you can't really comment on the weather. It's just like everywhere else in Australia at times. But, no, it's just a really relaxed vibe. It's good. I love Newcastle. How hot did it actually get there yesterday? Because I saw slow parts of New South Wales got up like 36, 37 degrees. Uh, I, think, I think it was, yeah, about that, 36 degrees. Um, I don't think it was much more than that because I was outside so for most of the day, so and it wasn't too bad. It's when it gets into the 40s when you're like, oh, God, this is – I need to get inside and get the aircon on. <laughs> oh, I remember um, – Old days of working at Target. Now that's showing my age. Um, now the Targets, not many stores are open in Australia anymore. Um, the Manchester room was the worst during summer. If it was thirty degrees outside, it was nearly double that and more <laughs> inside the. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst thing about the Manchester room is we couldn't put the stuff downstairs. So, like, if a load came in on a truck, you had to take it up the stairs and unload it into the Manchester room, which should be a two-minute job, but if there's ten boxes, it ain't two minutes. No. (laughs) Yeah. But also, yeah, like, I I don't mind the heat, but I'm thinking I'm the same with you. I just can't stand anything over 40 degrees constantly. It all depends on what you're doing. Like, I, lo- I love the heat if I'm relaxing or, you know, swimming or doing, you know, something that I want to do. But if I'm working or, you know, I'm stuck doing something that I don't want to do in the heat, then it's, I hate it. Mm. Well, I'll reverse the question back to Corey about the, um, if there was any bed you could see tomorrow night in the world, who would you want to see? Uh, that's... Easy for me. Uh, that would be Texas in July because they're my they're my favourite band, um, and it'd be good to see them. I, I saw them a long time ago in Newcastle, um, but it was a pretty underwhelming gig because no one knew they were playing there and at the venue, and wasn't the best venue, and there just wasn't a very good turnout. And I was actually surprised because they're from America and you know come all the way over here to play. But anyway, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see them again. Um, favorite band they had like they broke up for eight years now they're back together doing they're not you know fully back into it but they're starting to play a handful of shows they just released a new song i think maybe a month ago um so yeah texas in july i was sort of assuming they would be from the u.s given the name yeah Now, probably a rhetorical question. Are they actually from Texas? Uh, no. No. Oh, right. I was just thinking, yeah, given Texas in July, yeah. I thought maybe they were from... Maybe one or two of the members are or were, but um, no, they're from, I think, Pennsylvania or something. Oh, uh, Lancaster, I think, is the town. Yeah, something like that. Given there's 52 states in, in the US, I mean or 53 or whatever it is now. Yeah. 
<laughs> How many we have in Australia? Eight, eight states and territories compared to fifty-two. Mm. It's a big difference. Yeah, most people probably wouldn't remember them all. No. Oh, no. I, I don't think I. I could name probably fifteen to twenty, maybe, but no way I could name fifty-two. Yeah, no, not a chance. <laughs> Oh, well, um, it's probably come to the end of the night where we probably actually, unfortunately, should wrap this up because I'm sure Corey has work tomorrow and it's after 10 o'clock, so... Yep, that's all good. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you, Corey, and I'll have Hatescape on any time again soon, whether it's yourself or Paul or Cameron, whoever it is, always welcome back on here. Could get us all on at once. That'd be good. <laughs> that would be. It's happened a few times with bands. And um, Newcastle is one of the um, cities that actually has had one of the bands have the whole five members on. So oh, that'd be good. But, um, yeah, um, please, if you're listening to this, check out Hatescape, check out Hollow, Tides of Misery, God Complex. Just check out all their music and support them stream it, share, send messages of support, buy tickets to their shows if they're playing, do all that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that, mate. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'll send you both parts um, very shortly, probably in the next 20 to 30 minutes. And part two, I'll play Hollow, of course, the latest single from Hatescape. Cheers, mate. Looking forward to it. No worries. Well, until next time, Corey, you enjoy the rest of your Monday and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Sam. Awesome. No have, worries. have a good one, mate. Same to you. Gotcha. Catch up.